that Willard's, if you would, join me in Matthew 22 once again this evening. And as you're opening your Bibles there, can you tell what our vision is for this year? Yes, go ahead. Love God, love others. Two of you remember, good. That's a start. Love God, love others. You know, a big reason for that is because of the value of a single soul. And how God can use that, loving him, loving others, to draw people to himself. And that's my prayer this year. Is that we'll experience the fruit of loving God and loving others if we will grow in this. God will work in a mighty way through us and in us and for us to grow us and to allow us to be used of him to reach others. Matthew 22, we saw in this text this morning Jesus' conversation with a lawyer. Let's revisit it, read it together, and then uh, pick up with some practical applications tonight from the text. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. From this text of scripture this morning, we saw three principles that flow from it. The first is that to love God and to love others as he has called us to, we have to understand that the basis of that is God's love to and for us through Jesus. If you and I are going to grow in this area of love for God and love for others, then we need to have a recognition of, a growth of understanding in, a refocus on God's love for us through Christ. But then we also saw a second principle, and that is simply that we cannot love God and others perfectly at all times. None of us can. And certainly that's why we can be thankful for the grace of God that provides salvation. That being said, love is the highest duty and calling of the child of God. It is a practice, it is a walk of life that we should grow in, that we should strive for, the same grace that provides forgiveness for our failure also provides help for obedience. And so we should make loving God and others a priority, if not the priority of our lives. 
All right, practical application then. How? How can I make love my priority? How can I walk in love for God and love for others through my life? And I want us to tonight think about it as individuals, as an individual person yourself. How can I make this my priority? I want you to think of it in relation to your family. How can my family make this a priority? And then, of course, how can we as a church make this a priority of our lives? As we study Jesus' response, we'll see five practical applications. How we make this a priority and what that necessitates in our lives. Number one, to make loving God and others our priority necessitates a decision. It necessitates a decision. Now, how is a decision involved in making loving God and others a priority? Because love is will, not feeling. Love is volitional, not emotional. Loving God and others the way that he calls us to will not happen if we think of love simply as a feeling that we have or an emotion that we act out. So often that is what we think of love. It's just a feeling that we have. It's an emotion that we carry out and that we act upon or react upon in different situations. But you and I need to understand, if we're going to love God and others the way he calls us to, it's not feeling, it's not emotion, it's decision, it's commitment, it's a choice. Why is that? Because there are times when you will feel let down by God... And you really are let down by people. If love is simply an emotion or a feeling and you feel let down by God, have you ever been there? You know in your head, you believe in your head that God is good, that he loves you. But perhaps through different experiences and circumstances of life, you may think God has let you down. If love is an emotion or a feeling... When you feel that God has let you down, will you love him the way he calls you to? When people really do let you down in different circumstances of life, experiences that you have with other people. If love is simply a feeling or emotion, a reaction to what people do or how they speak to us, you're not going to love them the way that God calls you to. But you see, it's not an emotion. It's not feeling-oriented. It's decision, a personal decision. You have to commit every day to love God with all you are. 
You have to commit every day to love every person you know, every person you interact with, every person you rub shoulders with, to love them. Your feelings and your emotions won't produce that. It won't. Bob Goff, in his book, Everybody Always, wrote that it's easy to love kind, lovely, humble people. I mean, who wouldn't? These are the ones I've spent much of my life loving. Loving the people who are easy to love made me feel like I was really good at it because the people I loved were kind and wonderful. They made sure they told me what a great job I was doing loving them. What I've come to realize, though, is that I was avoiding the people I didn't understand and the ones who lived differently than me. Here's why. Some of them creep me out. Sure, I was polite to them, but sadly, listen to this statement, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. And isn't that the way it often is with us? We love the people that are easy to love. Loving God when life is good, when he feels near and understandable, could be described as natural. When God's goodness is clearly being demonstrated in your life. When he feels close and near, it could be easy to love him. And loving him at those moments could be described as normal, natural. Same with people. If you love the people who are easy to love, if you love people who love you, who are good to you, who are kind to you, who are friendly to you, that could be described as natural. That's easy. But loving God and people the way we are called to, that's not easy. That takes commitment. That necessitates a decision. Is it hard? Yeah, it is. If love is feeling or emotion only, then I will only love those who are easy to love because they give me a reason to love them. But that's not what God calls us to do. Jesus himself raised the level with his command in Matthew 5. And you remember Jesus in Matthew 22 says, Love God love your neighbor. You go back to Deuteronomy 6, love God with everything you are. Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus raised the bar in Matthew 5 when he said this, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Can I ask you, will you do that if love is simply a feeling or emotion? I'm not talking about loving those who love you. Loving those who are easy to love. Loving others as God calls us to do means you love everyone as he does. Including those who are different from you. Including those who might creep you out a little bit. 
including those who set themselves up against you. That's not going to happen through feeling or emotion. It will take commitment, a decision. Number two, to make loving God and others a priority necessitates development. If we're going to make loving God and others our priority, we'll need to be developed. Development comes through growth. Now the question we need to ask in relation to that is, what do we make the focus of our development? Okay, so if, if we need to love God and others as he calls us to, and that takes development, it takes growth, do we focus on developing love? Do we focus on love itself and, well, I'm going to focus on love and I'm going I'm to work really hard at growing in my love? Is that what we focus on? And the answer is no. To love God and others as he calls us to, we focus on developing our relationship with him. Now remember, principle number one from this morning, the basis of loving God and others as he has called us to is what? Understanding more completely his love for us to, to us and for us through Jesus. That relationship is the basis. Knowing him and his love for us through Christ is the basis of loving him and others as we should. Paul reveals this in Romans 5 and verse 5. He said, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you and he ministers to you. And Paul identifies there that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit to you and I as children of God is that he will, he will shed abroad God's love in our hearts. He will reveal more and more God's love for us. And the reality is, if, that you, if you are aware of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, His work will not be limited to telling you when you've done wrong and what you need to do that's right. So often that's what we limit the Holy Spirit's work to, isn't it? Well, when I do wrong, the Holy Spirit's going to let me know I did wrong. The Holy Spirit's going to let me know what I need to do that's right. But that's not what His work will be limited to. If you are aware of and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in your life, you know what you're going to experience? The Holy Spirit will constantly whisper in your heart, God loves you. Your Heavenly Father loves you. The Father loves you. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I did this and that and the other. God loves you. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't feel like I've done much to make myself worthy of that or earn that. You don't have to. God loves you. And friend, can I share with you, because there, this is something that many of us struggle with. If you are listening to voices telling you, hey, God doesn't love you. You think you deserve God's love? How could God love you when you, can I tell you, those voices are not from God. The Holy Spirit working in your life is going to whisper. He's going to reveal. He's going to shed abroad again and again and again God the Father's love for you. 
we need to develop love, but the development will come by developing our relationship with God. And if this is something that in, in, in an area that, that we're lacking in, and I think we could all say, you know what, that's, that's me, I, I'm lacking in this area, then we can pray as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Here's a prayer that maybe you need to make a prayer for 2023. A prayer that you need to pray over and over and over again. It comes from Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you hear that statement, that prayer? Paul said, I'm praying for you, Ephesian believers, that you will know, comprehend on a deeper level the love of Christ. Why, Paul? Why are you praying that for us? So that you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Friends, listen to me very carefully. Developing love for God and others, as we've been called to, doesn't come from focusing on growing in love. It comes from focusing on your relationship with God, recognizing the love that He has for you, understanding it on a deeper level, refocusing on it. And maybe tonight you need to make a commitment to pray this prayer, to make this prayer of Paul for the Ephesians your prayer for 2023. God, help me to understand in a deeper way your love for me. God, help me to, to understand more intimately your heart for me so that I can have more of that heart that you want me to have for you and for others. Number three tonight, to make loving God and others our priority necessitates design. If you're going to prioritize loving God and others as well as put it into practice, you'll need a design. Pastor, you can put that, a plan. You'll need a plan for it. How are we going to do it? That's the question. How are we going to not only prioritize loving God and others, but how are we going to put it into practice? Now, sure, there are moments or occasions of spontaneity. If, if you are growing in love for God and others, God's going to put you in positions and circumstances at times that you didn't plan for, that you didn't see coming, that you didn't expect, where you will have an opportunity to demonstrate your love for God, to show love to someone else right there on the spot, to do something, to give something, to be there. You'll have those opportunities spontaneously. There'll be opportunities to show love in a moment of inspiration, and that's fine a life of loving for you as an individual. A family of loving for your family and a church of loving necessitates planning for it. Let me ask you tonight, what can you do? 
as an individual, personally tonight? What can you do to show your love for God and demonstrate love to others? What, what are some plans that you can put into place? What, what are some commitments that you can make in relation to that? How about your family? And, and I'm talking, when I, when I talk family, I'm talking primarily family leaders. You or you and your spouse are the leaders in your home. How can you develop plan for as a family showing love to others teaching your children your grandchildren what it means what it looks like to love god and to love others as you should how about a church what can we do as a church to show our love for others what plans do you have? What, what plans does your family have? What plans do we as a church have? And remember, love is not a feeling or emotion, it's will. And then in the same way, love is not an ideal, it is action. What did John say in 1 John 3? We've, we've looked at it often. 1 John 3 verses 16 through 18. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Listen, friends, if God simply said, I love you. Humanity, I love you. Mankind, I love you. But he didn't show his love in any way. Upon what basis would we have to believe or understand or know that he truly loves us? John says you don't know God's love simply because he told you that he loves you. You know God's love because he showed you that he loves you. He came in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he laid down his life for you. And then he goes on and says, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. John uses a simple illustration. If you have the ability and you see a need and you do not use your ability to meet the need, how can you say that you love God? Because if you love God as you should, it will be demonstrated through showing his love to others. And so when you say, Pastor, when you, you say loving requires a, a plan, what does that mean? What does that look like? Okay, simply let, let me start here. If you have the ability and you see a need that your ability can meet, do it. Show love. Meet the need. 
Often we think of it in financial terms, and certainly that is true at times, but that's not always the case. Sometimes in certain situations, we always look to do the same thing to meet a need. You know, someone's hurting, and we, we want to provide a meal, and that's great, but what if the need isn't a meal? What if it's for someone to sit down and hear their heart, spend time with them in their grief? What if the need isn't one meal, but is some financial support? for a period of time or, or a, a gift that will meet a need for a time. If you have the ability and you see the need, use your ability to meet the need. Think of it this way, friends. You and I have to be more than theoretical or philosophical. We have to be practical and actionable. It, it doesn't stop at saying, well, loving God and loving is a great thought. It, it makes for good lyrics to a song. It makes for a, for a nice theme. It makes for a nice goal. It can't simply be about something that is going on on the inside. It has to come out on the outside through what we do, what we say. Make up your mind to love and then do something to show your love. I uh, spoke uh, uh, to this earlier, but again, in his book, everybody always, Bob Goff wrote these words. He said, what if I told you this was actually an intervention? And all the people you know have been calling and asking me to break some news to you that you can no longer continue to be the person you've been. What, what are you going to let go of? Who, who is it you don't get? Who don't you understand? Who have you been playing it safe with while politely keeping your distance? Who has been mean or rude or flat wrong or creeps you out? Don't tell them all your opinions. Give them all your love. I know it's hard for you. It's hard for me too, but I'm learning I have to follow Jesus' example and follow his lead if I'm going to follow in his steps. Even when we feel like we can't muster the strength and humility to love our enemies, the truth is we can. If you want to become love, stop just agreeing with Jesus. Now, we could stop right there. What he's saying is, don't just be theoretical and philosophical about it. Yes, I know God wants me to love him that way. I know God wants me to love others. I agree with that. You know, it's all fine and good for us to sit here and agree that that's a good theme, that's a good goal, that that is what God wants for us, but are we going to get anywhere if all we do is agree about it? If all we say is, yeah, pastor, that's a great thought. I, I see that. That's, that's God's highest calling for us, that that should be the priority of our lives. We agree. Where's the dotted line? I'll sign my name to agree with that statement. If that's all we do, what's going to be accomplished? Stop just agreeing with Jesus. He wrote... Uh, Go, call someone right now. Lift them up in ways they can't lift themselves. 
Send them a text message and say you're sorry. I know they don't deserve it. You didn't either. Don't put a toe in the water with your love. Grab your knees and do a cannonball. Move from the bleachers to the field. And you won't ever be the same. You know, I think the reality is, the sad reality, is that too often believers are willing to just agree and not get involved. We're ready to say amen and not put in the work, the service. It it takes design, planning, putting it into practice. Number four, to make loving God and others our priority necessitates diligence. I'll not make out that this is easy. It's not. Loving God and especially loving others necessitates diligence, effort. But listen, friends, it's not effort without enabling. For God enables you and, in fact, must enable you because you cannot love God and others as he calls you to apart from him. Peter highlights this. I want you to see it in First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1. He, he notes God's enabling, and then he follows with my participation, my effort. 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the, virtue, the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us great and exceeding precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, so verses 3 and 4, Peter highlights God's enabling. He's given you everything you need. Even his promises are resources that enable you to participate, to put in your effort to what he wants. What is that? He goes on, here's your effort. He says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, into virtue knowledge, into knowledge temperance, into temperance, into patience godliness, and to godliness what? Brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness what? Charity, love. God enables, but you need to participate. God has given you everything you need and will continue to do so. But you've got to put in some effort. You've got to put in some work. God has provided the enabling. You need to respond to him with effort. It requires diligence. Number five. To make loving God and others our priority necessitates determination. Determination will be needed. We will need resolve and endurance. Why is that? Why do you think we'll need determination, resolve, endurance, if we're going to love God and others as he calls us to? Because there will be disappointment. You say, Pastor, if you're trying to motivate me to love God and others, is that really a good spot to end? 
Oh, we need to understand truth, don't we? And there is going to be disappointment. There are going to be times where you'll experience hurts. There will be misunderstood motives. You need to understand that someone who majors in love, loving God and others as God calls us to, will also have to major in patience, long-suffering, humility, and forgiveness. Because there's going to be disappointment, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be misunderstood motives, there are going to be times when someone else will do you wrong, even someone that you have sought to love as God calls you to, and they're going to do you wrong, they're going to hurt you, they're going to betray you. It's when you have those experiences, as we all have, that you'll need determination, resolve, endurance. One speaker and author said it this way. He's preached a series of messages on it. He's written a book by the title. He said it this way. Love like you've never been hurt. We've all been hurt. And the natural tendency when we've been hurt, and sometimes we're taught this, is protect yourself. The problem is that often protecting yourself goes to an extreme of not loving. Not putting yourself in a position to be hurt. If you never put yourself in a position to be hurt, then you are not loving others as God has called you to. I'm thankful that God chooses to love us like he's never been hurt. Think about it. The most deeply hurt person who has ever been is Jesus Christ. No one has ever been hurt more, hurt more deeply in every conceivable way than Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that God and Jesus love us in spite of hurt. God still loves fully and unconditionally. And he calls us to love as he loves. And friend, listen to me carefully. You will not love as God calls you to if you hold on to your hurts. You'll not love as God calls you to if you focus on your hurts. There will be disappointment. There will be hurt. There will be misunderstandings. But you and I need to determine to love like we've never been hurt. Through the conversation between Jesus and the lawyer in Matthew 22, 33 through 40, we discover that love represents the highest calling and duty of the child of God. God's love to and through Jesus for us provides the basis for our love for him and others. Though we can't do it perfectly, he loved us so perfectly and completely that he sent his son Jesus to provide salvation. He provides forgiveness for our failure, but also grace to help for obedience. And if we're going to make this a priority, it necessitates a decision, a commitment. 
development, growth in our relationship with him. Design a plan. Our diligence, our effort and determination, resolve and endurance. We as individuals, we as families, we as a church, a community of believers should respond to the Lord in this. You, as an individual, need to prioritize loving God and others. Put it into practice on a personal level. Make the decision and then look for ways to put it into practice. Family leaders, lead your families in this priority. Prioritize loving God and others. And practice it as a family unit. And then we as a church... We need to practice loving God and others through our worship and service. As we have looked at general principles this morning, some specific practical applications tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us. And maybe tonight as God has spoken to your heart, dealt with your heart, there are some specific areas you need to respond to the Lord in. As we pray, would you just lift up your heart to the Lord? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Believer, maybe you just, uh, again, make a commitment to God to prioritize love. Maybe through one of these specific applications, God has spoken to your heart about one of these particular areas, or all of them, that you need to come before the Lord and commit to Him. Lord, I'm going to make loving you and others a priority in 2023. God, I'm going to commit to pray like Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I'm going to commit to just a decision. Lord, uh, not responding in feelings and emotions to different situations and people, but just make up my mind and heart that I'm going to love you and love others as you call me to. God, I'm going to put a plan in place. I'm going to think through some different ways that, that I can show love to my neighbor, to my coworker, to that friend in need, to that individual down the street, to people in my community. And then maybe tonight again, or you watching by way of the webcast, God has spoken to your heart about your need of Christ. We only know perfect love because of God through his son Jesus. He showed us his love. He didn't just shout it to us. He showed it to us through his son, Jesus. Would you believe 